0: Before we get into the conversation, I just want to talk to you about a brilliant platform called Thatch. Now, if you're feeling overwhelmed about planning your next trip, or maybe you just want to make sure you're making the most of your time away, you can now stop the endless scrolling and save yourself hours of research and stress. Whether you're looking for personalized trip advice or a fully custom itinerary, Thatch has thousands of local experts in over 80 countries ready to share their first-hand knowledge to help you plan your ideal trip it's easy to get started. Search your destination and browse local experts available for hire or discover curated travel guides and itineraries you can use to DIY your trip. With Thatch, it's easy to be in the know wherever you go, no matter your budget, travel style or needs. Head to thatch.co, that's thatc dot co, and start taking better trips with less stress today. Now, let's get into it. and welcome to curated spaces the podcast that explores the stories behind spaces reimagining how we stay work and play join me molly cooper as i sit down with founders owners and thought leaders to hear about their journey of bringing a space to life great spaces shape our lives they inspire nurture and connect us but most importantly they bring us together to share life's milestones with the people who mean the most to us So whether you're a traveller, foodie or design seeker, join us as we celebrate the power of spaces and the brilliant people behind them. I'm sat in the snug dining room here at the Double Red Duke on the eastern border of the Cotswolds. With its golden Cotswold stone, tumbling hysteria and iconic red-striped umbrellas, this space greets you the moment you arrive here in Clanville. And today we have a double dose, of not one, but two guests joining me. Husband and wife, Sam and Georgie Pyrman founded the Country Creatures collection of hotels. And today they're going to share the story behind the double red juke. Sam, Georgie, it's such a pleasure to meet you both. Welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today?
1: Uh, great. Yeah, yeah, really good. Glad to be here.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, and before we get into the story of this space, I'd like to tell a bit about you guys and where you've come from and your journey uh, to being here in the Double Red Tube. Do you want to give us?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I uh, know we, we well, I've started out as a chef. Before that, I was okay. a, briefly a rugby player for a bit. Um, and then um, I worked out that I was much better one side of the bar. You know, Usually the, player, wrong the wrong bar. side of the bar. The wrong side of the bar. And I, I sort of, um, I, I, I did some, cooking when I was younger and I sort of went back into it when I was in my yeah. 20s and then started chefing, and then moved from chefing into um, management, you know, floor, mm-hmm. waiting, bar work, a whole sort of whole yeah. spectrum of it and um, and then, we, you know, we, we slowly just, over the time, moved out of London, you know, worked in some London places, moved out of London with children mm-hmm. and have based ourselves on the Cotswolds for, for some time now.
0: Oh, gorgeous, and how about you, Georgie? Well, I sort of grew
2: up in hotels, my parents were hoteliers, so I sort of grew up in nappy, from nappies in hotels and things, and sort of, you know, doing hospitality jobs whilst I was at uni and various things like that, and then became a lawyer for about 10 years, and then decided well, i sort of knew straight away that it wasn't for me but i carried on for 10 years and then retrained when i was on maternity leave i went to chelsea college of art and design and did interiors there interior design course and then sam was uh, working sort of michelin style restaurants in london and when we moved out of london i i basically joined forces with him and we got our first place in cheltenham And Sam sort of was running that and I was sort of sitting up in a little office up up on the top floor. And yeah, and then then the whole thing sort of started snowballing, I guess. Then we got our second site and then then started, created the Lucky Onion. So we sort of co-founded that and then the whole thing just started
0: building. Yeah, and I'd love to get into the space we're in now, but can we start by just setting... Setting the scene for people listening in and painting a bit of a picture about where we are in the world. So
2: we're we're probably about 20 minutes drive from Oxford Mm -hmm. and quite close to Burford, maybe under 10 minutes to Burford in the heart of the Cotswolds. (laughs) And it's beautiful sort of honeycomb stone, Cotswold stone building. Like you said, it's sort of wisteria clad and so very, very typical of the area. And it dates back, I think, to the 1600s. So it's been sort of at the heart of the Clamfield community for that long, for hundreds of years and continues
1: to be as well. So I people think it was built as a manor house originally and, and then, then converted. And, and converted into an inn. I mean, one of the interesting things here actually was it's not. it was never called the Double Red Duke. And it was it was actually Well, it was always called the plow. Yeah. And when we when we sort of decided to buy it, um, I, I was pretty keen to change the name because there are mm-hmm. so many plows. And I think in the process of buying it, I kept on calling it the wrong plow. And so um, that was part of the, the problem. Was I think if we were going to do something here, it had to be mm-hmm. something that's jumped off the page. If you're you know thinking yeah. about a weekend or a day away, you know mm-hmm. you've got a, you can't be in amongst four yeah. other plows. Yeah. So that was you know controversially, to change the name. I'd
0: love to hear where this came
1: from. I'm not sure if I should be saying this. But no, no. It's complete fiction. And, but loosely based around the guy who had it as a manor house. And so I, I sort of imagined this world of um, famine, and destitution. Um, uh, and I, the double. a double red is a strain of corn. So I had the story in my head that this local duke had saved the local population yeah. by creating a strain of corn called the double red. And he was called the double red duke. And that's why... Um, uh, we sort of start with the name.
0: I love it. And yeah. it does, it does catch you. And I think, especially with all the red throughout the hotel, which I'm sure we'll come on to, it's quite, it does jump off the page, especially, like we said, lots of goldstone, lots of wisteria, very calm. And then you have these punchy red umbrellas outside. It really, in magazines or on websites, it really catches your attention. Yeah,
2: that's quite annoying, actually, because, um, you know, like I designed all the interiors and everything. Then all the PR people we're meeting in journalists and stuff was just saying, God, I love, I mean, the best thing about that place is these stripy umbrellas outside. I mean, you're genius, Georgie. And I was like, actually, that's annoying because it's the one thing that Sam actually did. <laughs> 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 this is really annoying. Yeah.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so I'd love to hear. You you find this building, you, you see this could be a very special place. Um, what were you hoping at that stage? Did you see it in its current form now? Or was it very much a journey of working out what it was going to become and that
2: to life yeah I think it, it was I think it had 11 bedrooms didn't it yeah originally?
1: I mean it, it was a it's a lovely the bones of the building were mm. incredible yeah. and actually the site itself is quite generous it's got sort of a, it had um the benefit of outbuildings and um, mm. but I also I think it was it's not too big so it was actually um I think our hope was that we could create a sort of somewhere halfway house between a country house and a pub mm. yeah. and that's where I think it sort of sits nicely um and yeah, I mean, I think we were, we were able to add a, a sizable volume to the building because so, it didn't really have any restaurant. It had a tiny bar, which was the restaurant. Yeah. And then it had a sort of sequence of small rooms. Yeah. And so it didn't really link very well. It felt, you know, because it was old, it's very old. Mm. So it was just a very small. Well,
2: sort of, I think when you sit here, we're sort of sitting in one of the dining rooms, it feels like a medieval pub doesn't it because you've got the inglenut fireplace there that they would have cooked over and things historically but then we've added on we sort of doubled the size of the property really by adding on to the back and then converting barns and storerooms and things and but the back you don't feel that it, it kind of feels part of the property like it's always been there because we found uh old manor house like it came from a Kent Manor house. It was also like stained glass and old panelling and things from a similar age property that had been taken out. So we reuse that. And so it does feel like part of this yeah. building.
1: You know, there's distinctive areas. Where yeah. I think that was part of the, it, it. That's why it works quite well. It's quite hard to operate. But it's really nice for people who are staying here because you have got something, you've got different areas where you can sort of hang out.
0: No, I definitely get that. And you walk in, it's very cosy, that beautiful, like, bottle green on the wall. And then you go up mm. and there's, like, beams, almost, like, jutting the corridors a bit. And I think I was actually in the, the extension at the back, but you wouldn't actually notice, I don't think, if someone hadn't told me, like, oh, yeah. we're in the new bit. So yeah. it's really well yeah. done. And then you come down and there's the amazing restaurant with the great glass and the ceiling. And it's, it's such a good, very clever combo of, like say, old, cosy snug pub like we're in, over here in this yeah. cozy corner and then these big beautiful light filled spaces yeah. yeah it's gorgeous but of course so this renovation was mid-pandemic was it
1: we actually bought it um just at the beginning of uh, no we had a whole sort of year of prep yeah. um getting because it's listed grade mm. two isn't it, mm. three? so we had to do that and i think it was it, we ended up having a building project in the middle of the pandemic which mm. we kind of had to sort of Sort of work around uh, which did delay it but not massively building projects
2: were allowed weren't they yeah, during so. that time yeah. so. but
1: it was just looking back I mean it's um uh, very it, it sort of worked very well the the people who worked on the site were just absolutely brilliant I think everyone was sort of learning as they went anyway yeah. because no one, had knew, no one had, knew what they it were it was a
2: team of men from Yorkshire yeah. wasn't it and yeah, they were we pretty would, sort of yeah. stoic about it and yeah. you know everyone doing it in face masks and yeah. <laughs> carrying
1: on when it was announced COVID was finishing that gave us a sort of a starting or an end point oh. for us to sort of say look that's where we would like to open them yeah. I think we were all kind of ready for just before Christmas but we were still sort of half lockdown it wasn't so we had this nice and date hotels
2: were allowed to yeah. open wasn't it yeah. which would i think that was like april so april 21 or something yes yes mm-hmm. um so yeah we opened in may or something like that because it's yeah. quite difficult you've got to test all the kitchens and train all the staff and things and when it's locked down that's kind of pretty difficult yeah. so
1: and then yeah. then we also because <laughs> we did the outbuildings they were on separate um Planning application that came later. That Mm -hmm. so we did. I it was again. It was quite nice to release a little bit of the building, and then we we worked slowly back on the next phase, which was only sort of six weeks later. Mm -hmm. And and then we were fully operational by the summer. And I think that worked quite well because we had a sort of natural Mm build to maturity, and we didn't have this sort of pressure of like a um, kind of a built up. um, What's the word? You know, people. We hadn't sort of built something up for a massive crash. We we were able to just slowly um, get the team together, and and it was quite hard to recruit people. And uh, you know, in in it was just tricky because there were lots of people in um, in furlough, so they didn't want to move jobs. And we would with, but we did have a slightly new thing, a new kid on the block. So that's always quite attractive to to recruit. So.
0: How did the launch go? Was it overnight success or was it a bit of a slow burn?
1: We were very, very lucky because of Covid, because I think we came, we opened a new boutique um, hotel pub Mm -hmm. um, where there were a lot of there was no new news for the media outlets, etc. So we were very lucky in that respect, because um, a lot of a lot of people wanted to know about it because they didn't really have much to say about new things. So. I think that really helped us and certainly when we opened the room occupancy was
2: well no know, one could go abroad at that point as
1: well yeah. which
0: kind of helped us summer of staycation yeah. yeah
1: it's actually been 24 months really for that to sort of um even this summer i think people are still sort of hesitant
2: well then then we hit cost of living crisis inflation high interest rates all this kind of stuff and then people are like well actually it's quite expensive to go away on holiday and i'll stay in the uk so actually i think british hotels have really benefited from from that side of it we keep saying actually like well you know because of covid high inflation cost of living striking and we never really seem to have a year in this yeah. industry yeah. where there's not a big problem that we get impacted by you know you know the other thing that was with Brexit, you know, everyone disappeared back home, you know, back to Australia, New Zealand, Eastern yeah, and Europe, wherever they were going. Yeah, I by the COVID
1: period of people, yeah. and what we found very difficult at the beginning was housekeeping, and, yeah. and that sort of um, thing that you've slightly taken for granted for some period of yeah. time, you know, has now, you know, it's not, it's, that world has totally changed, so, okay. and, um, so it was a like battle, because we had lots of rooms straight away, and that was all, obviously a real rude awakening. But yeah. you know, over time it's.
2: But you could have us for half an hour talking about all the problems of the industry, <laughs> <laughs>
1: which maybe don't get me started. Yeah, no, exactly. I not love it. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I that. Well, then let's talk about the interiors because I know umbrellas aside this was very much you and your work Georgie and I'd love to hear like your process or how you approach building bare bones like h- how do you even go about bringing? well Sam
2: is very much involved in it as well I mean I so, he's sort of more like the client really in a way because I sort of put everything together and then he's like no yes no <laughs> well
1: yeah <and laughs> he has quite strong opinions about it all so. of, like, obviously my my brain is quite operationally wired so I I, I kind of feed into um, her plans as to, you know, where where things would work and what won't like ergonomics of the building and yeah. flow of service, etc. So I think that kind of is always that's where there's a sort of yeah. debate, a regular um, negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, going on in our design the way we do things but I think it does work quite well
0: because there is that real balance in hotels isn't there between making somewhere really beautiful that guests want to come and stay yeah but it also needs to be operational
1: yeah, yeah. and practical
2: definitely yeah. but yeah I think with it with a building like this you know your job's relatively easy because you can't go and do like rip it all out and do something modern or go crazy it is a medieval yeah. ancient mm-hmm. building and therefore You need to respect that and so all the furniture and and, um, the art and everything that goes into it sort of is, it needs to look like it's integral rather than, and not saying that you're sort of going back into sort of faux medieval stuff, but it's, um, you know, it it definitely has its own character and you just build on that really.
0: And how much of this stuff? I look around. it's all these beautiful old chairs and tables. Feels like they could have been here for years. Yeah. How did you go about sourcing all of well, this? Well, a lot kind of stuff? we.
2: Could, well, I get quite a lot of stuff from antiques markets, um, antiques fairs. I've got a big network of antiques dealers that I use now that I've used for years. So yeah, a lot of a lot of the chairs and furniture are old, and and the paneling you know is reclaimed um so yeah you do get that feeling of age Uh, uh,
1: because i know georgie this is where i think the the most time goes i think it's so time
2: consuming procuring
1: and deciding and you know because you know you have to do it um with the size of everything in mind and the footprint of the building Mm -hmm. so it's not like a sort of you you don't you can't go off and just start buying stuff and hope it works it's all measured and you know And i think this particular project was sort of we're quite careful on, you know, yeah. everything having the right feel. Mm-hmm. And, and you, know, you know, so I have a balance of, you know, yeah, yeah making sure that it feel, felt authentic. I
2: like to make my life really difficult as well, instead yeah. of um, every room being different. You know, like you could do a sort of very corporate commercial hotel where you have one scheme and you roll that out across your 200 bedrooms, but it here every single room is different and every single room has different furniture and has different fabrics. So it's, it, every room is unique. And, and that obviously in itself, is quite labour intensive yeah. and probably really White stupid coat. as well. and like, I could have really simplified it because if you're staying here, you wouldn't know what the next room is, is, you yeah. know, so different.
0: Well, you would if you came back, which obviously everyone who stays here must want to come back again. So. That's the aim. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Hopefully, yeah.
0: I just have to say the bath in our room at least was, potentially the biggest bath I think I've ever seen. in
2: room five. 5. Oh, the big black the big bath. Black yeah, beautiful bar. bath. Yeah, again, that's sort of, you know, it's so big that it actually drains the system on a, on a regular know, basis. That, that so one we one had a few issues that, yeah, at the I start.
1: We've got two of those, or three of those. We've got three of them and to start with... The M&E guys. Um, it hadn't quite got the calculations right because I think day one, we were like, oh, if actually, everyone has those three baths. There's not
2: enough water, so... Well, we sort of build it so that, you know, everyone can share and have baths at the same time. That is the whole spec, and that's what you start with from day one. But somehow, it, the, it, was, it, it messed up, yeah. yeah and I, I think it, like it's, like it's the size of the baths. Yeah, they're yeah. huge. I mean, you could fit a family of four on them. I should have what my costume.
0: So let's talk about food then. I'd love to know how you... Brought this menu to life what inspiration were you pulling from what were you trying to embody with your food here
1: so what we um one of the big things was the play on this medieval um, building that we had it's quite so sort of dark and quite particularly when you walk in it's that sort of it's quite low ceilinged and yeah. uh, wood paneled etc so I quite like the idea of when you check in because the um, the reception area is quite close to the kitchen mm. and it's sort of free-flowing so I, I quite wanted to work with uh, fire so that was part of the reasoning behind the kitchen. We, we only cook on wood. We have an electric bits, which yeah. are all induction, but the main majority of the kitchen is actually cooked live fire, um, and there's a big kitchen island so people can sit around and talk to the chefs yeah. if they're lucky. Um, and, yeah, so we cook on apple and, I think, apple and cherry wood, which lucky. is locally sourced, um, and we have rotisserie units, we have a sort of proper um, rise and fall grill, and then we have a wood oven for... Flatbreads, etc. Slow cooking. So I think it, it's part of the thing. When we, my vision was sort of when you walk in, you immediately get confronted with this sort of experience. I think that's where uh, you know people, if you're booking something, you're thinking about going away. You quite often will. The trigger is, or oh, what are we going to do when we're there. What have they got? So part of those thing, the, the, the thinking was that you know sitting at a kitchen counter hadn't really been done in a you know little village pub before um so that's that was the focus really
2: i think humans love fire don't they yeah. i mean sitting around a fire a campfire outside yeah a barbecue inglenook fireplaces here and when someone's cooking over a fire it's quite magical isn't yeah. it because you can you know there's probably about i think 14 seats or something around on the counter you just sit there and chat to the chefs whilst they're yeah.
1: cooking which is really, really yeah, and lovely. i think it was also the challenge of the design on it because we um there wasn't much. The, the, originally, there was no kitchen. Really, it was a sort of back of the um, back. Back rooms were set aside as a kitchen, mm-hmm. so we had to knock a lot of walls through. Yep. But what we ended up with was sort long and th- long thin space. Which mm-hmm. then we had to sort of design the kitchen in mm-hmm. uh, with the fi- uh, with the fire because yeah. the fire wasn't original. So.
0: Well, I really love that it's there, and it does feel talking about like medieval, mm-hmm. where they would have a huge fire in the middle, you know, the spit. Yeah, so, you know, it does put it right at the heart. Yeah, but then actually, the menu itself is sort of small plates large plates thing which i love you yeah. don't have to pick one thing yeah. and so it feels this like you say this bacon ribs and quite oh my god they're big. amazing oh, if you god. tried them we almost so didn't order them and the staff were like can i just say you should just sack the duck parfait and get the bacon <laughs> yeah i'm <it's laughs> so, so glad we did it was yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. and so you have these quite like medieval smoky meat dishes mm. but really light and some delicious dips i think we had the um aubergine
1: yeah yeah Yeah, that's nice and they're using the sort of techniques of smoke as well and i I think
2: you know we've we're very lucky that we've got such a good team here that sean who's our gm is really into hospitality and putting the client first but henrik also had a michelin star up in london at aquavit so you know there is a very good solid hospitality and food industry yeah. team here. And I think it also
1: it could be quite technical. It's not just sort of, you know, it's not yeah. just a the barbecue. There's lots of yeah. um, technical detail that he Henrik's using. So I think that, you know, and, and also the menu needed to be modern because I think, you know, one of the things that we always sort of debate is um, delivery of the menu. If it was left to me, it would just be all, you know, very, very red meat based, <laughs> very male uh, but Georgie's always like, oh, oh, have you thought of you know, you,
2: ace, you know what, a ace salad maybe a salad would be
1: good. Um, <laughs> so there's always that. So I think we've, I, I like the balance of small plates and you know, you know, the way it's the structure is sort of you know appeals to the foodie and also people who might just want to pop in and.
2: I mean, we make a sort of joke about it. It takes a lot of time, the menu planning and yeah. making all of that. I mean, it goes through lots of rigorous sort of yeah. taste it testings and tastings and
0: yeah. yeah. And yeah, and we have to talk about your chef series as well, which is
1: oh, yeah. super exciting. Yeah, so we've done, we over the last, since we've opened, we've just, it was something we did at the Lucky Onion actually back in the day, which is sort of like, the idea was like sort of bringing London out. Mm. It, it, that was the whole idea to start with. It was actually trying to sort of, you know, give um, people locally a bit, bit of an experience of London. And, and, and also, so it works on so many levels, because all the, the team internally get really excited about it.
2: Well, it also helped that in, in Cheltenham we had, the Chapman Festival so the literary festival which is you know basically the Times Literary Festival so we had a lot of amazing people coming in doing talks about all sorts of mm-hmm. different things and we had a partnership with them so that we had people like Ottolengi coming along and various things which obviously you yeah. know he'd sell out within minutes.
1: I mean here it's sort of again it's the same sort of strategy really. yeah it's just sort of makes an experience for people who are looking to book with us I think it helps the team learn a bit um, and it mixes all up really nicely. I think um, uh, yeah we've had lots of who have we had we've, had Hen- we've got Henry Harris next week um, from Bouchon Racine we have we've had um, Mitch Tonks from the Seahorse and, and, and Dar- Dartmouth mm-hmm. who else uh, Jeremy Lee from Crow Vardis. Oh, yeah. um, load of them yeah loads of them you've got There's me on you know, yeah, yeah. We, we we try to do them every quarter so again it sort of mixes mixes things up so if you're local you you'll you know mm-hmm something to do really. I yeah. mean, I think it's sort of a point of interest yeah. and you
0: know, And I quite like on. that it's quarterly, it's almost quite seasonal isn't it? So each one can come and they yeah. might be doing an autumn thing or maybe yeah. summer's just here and they've got a whole veg patch to pick from. Yeah.
1: yeah, no it's mainly just to sort of keep things interesting for everyone I
0: think. That's... You said then for the locals, have you found people who come here, is it mostly local people or do you get a lot of people on? You know, you're trying to escape the big smoke for the weekend, or is it a real mixture? It's a
2: real mixture. Yeah, yeah it's destination and local people. So yeah. yeah, I
1: mean, I think our hope would be it's um, there's nothing better than going into your local pub if you're a local and it's it's full of different types of people. And in yeah. the same way, if you're from London, you're coming in, it's full of locals. You know, mm-hmm. so I think the the perfect pub for me is a balance of everything, and that's where it's all it, the community around a public house is centered yeah. around that
2: especially in the countryside it's quite amazing the different people you get but everyone when they're sitting at the bar having a pint they're all talking to each other no matter what background they're from you know no matter what job they do mm. they're all sort of sitting around chatting and it do, it is really the heart of the community
1: yeah. Yeah, and re- a really that, good pub i think i, think amazing. Also, I mean the, the the interesting thing with double red and i i like the double red for you know it's not a country house so you do have you know it's different when you're you know the uh, perception of a country house is very much more like an, a destination let's get dressed up even even nowadays with the likes of a house it's yeah. still a, an occasional yeah. occasion type experience whereas I think uh, what we have here is like sort of it bridges the gap between that and actually we're not a country house we are we've got really high standards and the food's very you know polished and accomplished mm-hmm. but I, I do think that it has a, a feel of um, an inn or a tavern that allows for this sort of community
0: And last night, I mean, I think it was a Thursday. I I know Thursday's the new Friday, but still, you know, it's a small village in the country. Midweek, you think it could be empty, couldn't it? But you walk in and it was bustle, bustle, people coming, going. The car park's full. I had to park like a mile down the road, get <laughs> into exciting. yeah, get into the bar, and people are having a drink, having a beer, and the restaurant, everyone's eating. It was mm. there was such a hub. The, the chef's counter was full. Mm. It was just a real, like you say, like pillar of the community. A real mix of people just having a lovely Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's really
1: nice. I think, it's I think cheap. You, you're not going to appeal to. You, the truth is, you know. Uh, I don't think you appeal. Not everyone likes what you do. Mm. I mean, I think it, you know, not everyone loves a pub, you know, but ultimately I think there's a, you know, what you strive to do is have the right balance of um, community and um, quality. So I, I think, I think, you know, it's an ongoing yeah. Uh, challenge. Yeah. But I, I think generally we, it's, um, it's certainly something for the
0: locals yeah and i love all the little attention to details actually you go into the room and there's a little walking map with some yeah. roots in and it's you know all beautifully done and just there's such care you know attention to every little detail go out there explore the great outdoors i think it feels way more friendly welcoming like pub hug rather than mm, a yeah. you know, stuffy country house yeah for sure
1: I think we're we're of the scale that allows for that sort of attention to detail. I think you know, if you you imagine you're doing ten of these, it would slightly lose that. But it's just that's why we're kind of quite proud of the sort of independence it stands for.
0: Absolutely. So looking ahead, then, what's what's next? Do you have anything in the pipeline, or anything you're thinking about for the next chapter of Double Red Duke, or anything? Well,
2: we've so we've sort of we have two hats really. So there's this, the Double Red Duke, and Country Creatures. Um, and we have two other projects relating to that coming up Um, but we can't really talk about those because you know they're sort of ongoing they're in the pipeline and but then we also on the on the other side is we we've got Cubert house in london which is um you know eight public houses some with rooms and some not some feel more like restaurants than pubs some feel very pubby and they're sort of all in zone one in in london so we also do that and we've got a couple of we've got a couple of refurbishments going on at the moment and and into next year and then we have one other site next year that we'll be opening and then we'll just see we're we're sort of always looking at things and uh, just see what happens and then we've got the two that we will hopefully be doing they're not massive and they sort of relate to the double red jute. And they complement
1: this. So, yeah. yeah that's, that's in the
0: pipeline. Oh, very mysterious. Yeah. Very intriguing. We'll have to yeah. stay tuned. Yeah, i <laughs>
1: will
0: have to come back. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, it's been such a pleasure chatting. Before we do go, I do have a game of dream spaces to play with you two. Um, I'm going to ask you three prompts and imagine you won the lottery, bank that cheque, money is of no object. And I just want you to tell me the first space that comes to mind first one is where do you escape to to get away from it all to detox and disconnect
2: so for me 100% our our home our house um which is in the Cotswolds and you know that I, I love I mean my perfect day would be sort of just pottering around the garden you know <laughs> with dogs and family there and things like that so that's where my that's sort of like our, well to me our sanctuary that we sort of would always go to yeah gorgeous
0: how about you Sam? um
1: yeah I, I would say the mountains I love I love skiing and everything that goes with skiing particularly good lunch and some cheese yeah I think I'm pretty happy up there.
0: Any, any away, from family, well? away from family? Away
1: from family?
0: No, friends yes, and... with my family. <laughs> yes. Ditch <Yeah>. them. Leave <laughs> <Yeah>. them <laughs> oh, oh, at
1: home. <laughs> um, anywhere in particular? We went to Verbier. We've been to Verbier, that's really good. Mejev is, um, yeah. you know, done a lot of skiing in Mejev,
2: which. It's stunning. Yeah, I mean, Actually, Majeva is very special because it's, you know, me- again, a medieval sort of village on the side of the mountain. It's absolutely beautiful. Lots of sort of horses. Yeah, and we've been going and, there for quite a while, yeah. so we
1: know, also know where we're going,
0: Yeah, where, where's good and where's not. Yeah, very on brand for here as well, medieval. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, next one slightly different. Uh, your ultimate birthday party. Where are you hosting it? Oh, I just had it. <laughs> oh, did you?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really good. Actually, it was really good, yeah. So we had – I shared it. It was my 50th birthday, so I shared it with – This is your perfect
1: one.
2: It was pretty perfect, actually, surprisingly, because I didn't think it would be, but it worked out really well. I shared it with three friends, so four of us old friends, and we invited 100 people each and hired out a big sort of old Victorian uh, dance hall in London and uh, had Groove Armada there. (laughs) <laughs> and it was really it was good fun. It was, I mean, like literally so much fun. It was, that was brilliant. Ridiculous. Lots of, all our, because lots of our friends overlap and things like that. So loads, of, just lots of lovely people all in the same room having fun for the first time in, well, you know, a big party yeah. in many years yeah. because of COVID and stuff. So I really enjoyed it.
0: We've well, set the standard quite high there. I don't know how you're going to follow that. honest, I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be, there's a beach bar in Portugal called Passos, yeah. um, which is in the Algarve and i think it's one of the great restaurants and my father had his 50th there and it was in, stuck in my memory and they do the best food you're on the beach probably have a morning of golf and then get on the beach bar and you know have some fun you
0: know all what right. you can't beat a beach bar
1: a really far, good beach bar yeah all that sort of stuff i think there's a sort of
0: you can't beat fresh
2: seafood can no, you so it's sea, just sea, sunny. Sea, yeah 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 it'll take it'll taste so much better as well yeah. you, doesn't it that? yeah
0: okay last one your ultimate bucket list trip once in a lifetime where are you going and are you staying anywhere special
1: um mm, it's well, tricky i was looking at a, a a private villa in cartagena where it's an island <laughs> a private island villa and That's i was good. thinking that might do for a you know bucket list yeah. sort of experience that we yeah
2: that i mean like as in We've won the lottery type yes, like, bucket that's list. It, that's where yeah, yeah. we have. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. fine. That would yeah. be yeah. No expense spared. No, where yes, I'm going. exactly. Fly out a whole so, like twenty yeah. friends yeah. and just go out for there a month. for yeah for amazing yeah a
1: month, yeah,
2: month and then maybe just carry on traveling around the world. This is, this is me. What's yours? <laughs> oh well, I'm going to go somewhere else then with my <laughs> friends. <laughs> no, you're coming. <laughs> oh, okay, thanks. Okay, so yeah, so we're on an island and then yeah, just I think I if you've won you know, the lottery, you'd just go off travelling and do a month there, a month somewhere else in South America, a month in New York, a month here, Paris, off to Asia, to <laughs> Asia. just <laughs> spread it a, a year maybe, take a year or two off, because well, money's think... no object, you can fly friends and family out to wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah, sounds quite good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you get a lot of Slight, issue,
2: slight <laughs> issue with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haven't won the lottery, but I know, I
0: don't
2: even play the lottery, actually.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure chatting. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Lovely
2: to meet
0: you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Curated Spaces podcast. For more information and content around any of the spaces we feature, head to our website or Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to have new episodes delivered straight to your inbox every Wednesday. And if there's a special place in your life that you'd like to hear on the Curated Spaces podcast, please do get in touch as we're always on the lookout for more brilliant spaces to share with the world.